Well, welcome to the Situation Report for Monday, October 9th. A lot going on. I will get right to it. The situation in Israel has been uh, quite interesting over the weekend. And there's been a lot of analysis around the situation there. Let me let me just put some things to rest. And I know Troop will uh, he'll agree with me on this one. I'm not going to say it caught me off guard. And I'll t- and I'll let me outline why. Just bear with me for a second, and then I'll get back to the situation at hand. The first things first. This doesn't surprise me at all because a few months ago in a sit rep, I talked about how the U.S. has created the perfect storm with relation to Israel, and the perfect storm is that we've. Just like under Obama, we isolated Israel from the rest of the world. And then we started to slowly pull back a lot of our support for the country, support for the leadership, etc. All of that has created a perfect storm within Israel. And then on top of that, you have all of these different Arab states that are building coalitions, that are reestablishing diplomatic relations, they're building um, trade agreements, they're building building out to be a part of BRICS. You have the perfect storm. Now, with that said, it doesn't surprise me that Iran took advantage of the situation. We've given them $6 billion, plus the equipment they took out of Afghanistan, plus plus the other behind closed doors money that we've shipped to them, it it created the perfect storm for this to happen. But that said, you're talking about one of the most heavily monitored and defended strips of dirt on the planet. And you're telling me that Mossad, the most highly effective intelligence organization on the planet, the same guys that carried out 9-11, the same guys supposedly carried out 9-11, the same guys that carried out Epstein's Island, supposedly. And you're telling me these guys couldn't watch 5,000, basically a brigade, come into the Gaza Strip as well as all the arms and ammunition? You're telling me that they didn't know that. This will that I'm telling you that a year from now, this will go down as the biggest lie in world history. And this serves three purposes for Israel, just so we're perfectly clear. And then today it came out that not only did Mossad know about it, but Netanyahu knew about it. But take take that off the table for just a second. What you're really seeing is Israel take advantage of a situation that they helped create to start a broader war with Iran and use the U.S. to back it. It brings the U.S. carrier battle groups into the Mediterranean and the Strait of Hormuz, which is what Iran and several other countries have wanted for a very long time to be able to kill a carrier battle group. And you'll see that probably in the next 30 days. And it starts a wider war with with Iran, but it allows them the justification to level the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, and all the other Palestinian settlements. This is what Netanyahu has wanted for over four decades. This None of this was unplanned, unknown, 
or a surprise to the Israelis. And then there's the question of, if they were caught so flat-footed, where's all the money that we've given them? Where did that go? Because we have literally lined our pockets with money for the last four decades. And I'm not talking a few billion dollars. I'm talking billions and billions of dollars on the defense of Israel. For what? So 5,000 troops could come in and disrupt the entire thing? And then there's the question around the whole hippie parade that was on display yesterday. Every bit of that is a lie. Because the information, they're doing exactly what we did in the American Civil War. We literally used a British action that we drove to drive the shot heard around the world. And it was it was literally political rabble-rousing that drove that event. But we knew what the British reaction would be, and we used it to our advantage, which is exactly what Mossad did at that music festival on Sunday. They knew exactly what would drive a wedge, not only through the through the Christian community, but through the rest of the world. And Hamas was under strict orders not to attack any any religious sites because they knew that they didn't want to start a holy war. And look, this strip of dirt that we're talking about has been under conflict for almost 2,000 years, probably longer than that. So this, this fight, they're trying to turn into a holy war. The Israelis are. Because it serves their purposes and justifies, gives them justification to raise the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, and every other Palestinian settlement. That's what you're going to see develop over the next 30 days. And this entire thing should have been avoided. But the reason why we let it happen, because you know that the CIA knew about it, as well as DIA and probably NSA knew this was going on. And I will tell you that the reason why they allowed it to happen is to cover the loss of what's going on in Ukraine right now. They're literally units surrendering every day in mass. And it's just a matter of time before that's a land grab. And they know that once that information comes out and the Russians really do repatriate what's left of the bio labs that they didn't get the initial push into, into Ukraine, the rest of it's going to come out. And this is a typical Western move for to create not just a diversion, but to create the perfect information storm. Get away from the kinetic. This is the perfect information storm to divert attention away from everything. The border incursion, which is now an invasion, the situation in Ukraine, the economy, the situation specifically in Taiwan, and I'm with Troop on this one. Within the next several days, we will see China move into Taiwan. Because what's the one part of the world that nobody's talking about right now? South China Sea. They're not talking about Taiwan at all. And this gives them the perfect air cover because it is literally giving them enough air cover to blanket the entire airwaves with just Israel. And go out to Telegram and look at how many channels are consumed with play-by-play reporting of what's going on on the ground. Perfect information storm. This was a planned event, folks, and everything you're seeing is scripted. 
right down to the newscast that you're going to see over the next week is scripted. Every bit of it. There's not one piece of this that is unknown other than enemy actions. But I would guarantee you that I, I, I would put money on the fact that Mossad knows exactly what the enemy's doing all the time. I don't believe for one second that they didn't know this was coming. They didn't know what their moves were. And they didn't have the plan. Again, we're talking about the most effective intelligence organization on the planet. They would be able to, and these are the same guys that infiltrated Iran, grabbed all the Iranian nuclear plants, and exfiltrated them from the country, and then broadcasted all over the world in 2015. You're telling me that these guys are the guys that let this happen? I guarantee you they have the entire playbook for Hamas. They know when they're moving, where they're moving, and, and what they're moving. And their movement on the northern border of Lebanon tells me that they're once they're done with Gaza, they're going to move into Lebanon and take Lebanon too. You watch. That's exactly what they're going to do. And they're going to justify it under, quote, unquote, Israel was attacked. This whole game, folks, is to draw us into a wider war. And here's the other thing it does. It takes the onus away from us going head to head with the Russians. And it gives us an opportunity to abandon Ukraine and refocus all of that money laundering down to, down to Israel. And you know that's coming. You know it's coming. All of this. I mean, all of this is a planned event that they knew was coming and they allowed it to happen. And I would tell you and I would propose to you that every bit of this started before we even left Afghanistan. They have contingencies for contingencies and they've wargamed every bit of this out and they have AI that wargames all this out all the time. There's not one piece of this that I think is chance or coincidence. Not one piece. The, the next piece of this is when you start looking at the, the speaker piece of this, meaning McCarthy leaving and the void that there is there now, again, another perfect opportunity for the elite in D.C. or the city-state of D.C. to start to, to launder money with impunity because everybody's focus is over there now. They haven't picked a speaker. They haven't passed a new resolution to continue the government that that expires on November 17th. Are you starting to see a playbook here? If you look at how things develop over the next few weeks, you're going to see that by the end of the month, you're going to see the culmination point that I've been talking about for over six months now. The culmination point where the economy, logistics, and the conflict Grow. And now today, somebody sent me a video, and I don't know the legitimacy of this video, but it was a it was an Uber driver that was talking about, and I think it was on TikTok where the video was shot. And again, on TikTok, there's no date timestamp. You don't know when it was published. You don't know who published it. There's a host of different problems with TikTok videos. But in this video, it supports the premise that I talked about way back in February that all these military-age males would be put into uniform for the, under the UN guise to control cities. And I'm going to tell you right now that if that comes to pass, anybody I see that's wearing a blue helmet is going to be under gunfire. 
I will not allow the UN to be in this country and operate in this country as quote unquote peacekeepers or anything else. And whoever gives that order, whether it's DOD or the president himself, the moment he gives that order, that motherfucker is a traitor. And you should burn that into your soul because if this is true, that's treason of the highest order. They brought in 15 million military-age males to put in uniform. I guarantee you, civil war. This is this is exactly why we need to be ungovernable. Because if that's the game plan, and they drive all this to closure at the end of the month, and I'm saying three days before or three days after the 31st, you should really limit your, your activities and stay out of public spaces. Because that's when I think all of this is going to blow up. Especially if you look at the way the situation's developing on the ground over there. We went from zero to we're destroying buildings in less than 12 hours. And if you apply the same math to that, you're going to see that within one week, there's going to be a wider war in the Middle East. And we're already starting to see the riots building in different parts of the world now as well as in Jerusalem. And the catalyst will be Jerusalem. Once Jerusalem goes ape, I guarantee you the rest of the, the rest of the world, world, that's one of the most holiest cities on the planet for both Muslims and Christians. And I, there's, a, there's a bunch of misinformation about what Hamas has published and what Hamas has actually said in the press. And that's all by design to drive this holy war. So get away from the religious dogma in this because it's all smoke and mirrors. The key thing that you have to remember is actions on the ground. Hamas literally said, stay away from Christian sites and don't attack Christian, Christian uh, sites of Christianity is the way it was phrased, meaning no churches, no holy sites, no temples, nothing. That to me says, they had a game plan to just go after the Israeli government. And I don't think that a lot of these reports that are saying that they're killing women and children, I don't think any of that is as true as they want you to believe. There's probably some of that going on because, look, anytime you're in a conflict zone, there's fratricide. Innocent people get killed. It happens all the time. But the press is doing their job in sensationalizing fratricide and turning it into a holy war. Guess what? We have a wider war and that will be here on our shores. And the thing to remember is that, and this was this goes back to 2001, this, this notion that every Muslim is an extremist is nonsense. It's always been nonsense. It's always going to be nonsense. And it's going to be pushed in your face so that you pick a bucket to go after. And they're already starting to do it. Christians, Muslims, you know, then you're gonna hear Zidi, then you're gonna hear all these other these other religious factions. Look, the bottom line is this. The bottom line is that they want to the Israelis and our elite want to drive a religious war. Because if they drive a religious war, everybody's focus turns to the Muslim religion. There's like 3 billion Muslims on this planet. You're telling me that every single one of them 
is is violent. That's the lie they want you to believe. And the other piece of that, and this is the most important piece. When I was in Iraq, we tried to get humanitarian aid brought into the country. We couldn't do it through any of the NGOs there that were U.S.-based because they were all focused on reconstruction and pilfering money from the country. I called the Islamic Council of America, called them on the phone for Mosul, Iraq. And you know what they did? They sent an entire truckload of food without hesitation. And I spent almost two hours on the phone with this gal. Her name was Miramati. And I remember her distinctly because she was born in America. Her parents were, um, were devout Muslim. She was a devout Muslim. And I was literally on the phone with her, explaining the situation on the ground, explaining what we were trying to do, explaining what the challenges were. And she not only gave me some very sage advice, she gave me some very salient advice in that this is how you want to speak to the clerics. These are the people you want to target and talk to to get on your side. These are the things you need to do for the community for them to recognize you're trying to do the right thing. And it was all spot on. And from that moment on, the situation on the ground changed because we changed our mindset. And it was one phone call. You're telling me that all of the, uh, this this characterization, and this is what Bush did when he was in office, and it galvanized the whole country. And look at the animus towards Muslims after 9-11. It was, it was off the charts. This is how they play on your emotions. This is what they do to play on your emotions. They create a catalyst incident. They publish it all over the news and they play on your emotions because if you're emotional and you're hijacked, they can manipulate you. Every single time you see this across the span of news, media, social media, movies, whatever, it's designed to make you emotionally charged so they can manipulate you into doing something that they want. The moment you check out from that and you step back from it, you start to have a view like I have, where I look at these things and go, that's BS, that's BS, that's staged. And it's a cursory amount of research. Go look at how much security is around the Gaza Strip and what Palestinians have to do to get into Israel just from the Gaza Strip. And you will see exactly what I'm talking about. They don't move a grain of rice out of that place or into it unless the Israelis know about it. And this has been going on for 50 years. You don't just get complacent. It doesn't work that way. They're playing the media to a fiddle right now. And I'm sure they've paid off NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, and all the rest to give them the coverage they want because they know their ratings are tanking. And this gives them a perfect venue to report on the ground and be in the right place at the right time. Remember the Roger Stone arrest? CNN was the only one that was tipped off that Roger Stone was going to be rolled up by, what, 40 SWAT guys to arrest a 70-year-old man? Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't staged. That's the game. They need public support. They need us to buy into a bigger war. They need us to want to go fight for them. If we're ungovernable, and we don't want to fight, guess what? Who's going to fight the war for them? That's the first piece. Now, the second piece of all of this 
is how are they going to activate all of these UN troops that they've quote unquote brought into the country? And I have several theories on that. One of those theories is they're going to create some kind of a terrorist event that stems out of our boots on the ground in Iran or in Israel supporting the Israeli army. And they're already calling for boots on the ground. So imagine we stick boots on the ground in Jerusalem and something happens to a Muslim mosque or worse, a Muslim holy site and U.S. boots are on the ground. What do you think would happen then? They could spend four or five different narratives out of that that would lead them to do some kind of cataclysmic event here in the United States that would, in their minds, galvanize the American public. And if if I let's go down the rabbit hole for a second, because I've the other thing that I've been had sent to me all weekend, which I ignored, by the way. And the reason why I didn't come out immediately and talk about the situation in Israel, if you've listened to me before, you would have heard me say several times, let's see how the situation develops, because the first indications are never usually accurate. And it turns out in this case, not only are they are they not accurate, but what they were reporting and how they were reporting was literally right out of what happened in both Iran or in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm seeing, I started seeing a lot of the same similarities with reporting. I saw a lot of the same similarities with the 15 second video clips. And I'm like, we wait another day. We're going to see a lot of things come to light. And sure enough, what happened today, all over X, all over Instagram are stories, videos, and comments about the fact that Mossad and the Israeli government knew this was coming. That's why I didn't talk about this initially. But it would be just in their wheelhouse to create a situation where they could conduct another false flag attack on our shores and claim it was a Muslim or it was a Muslim extremist or Islamic extremist, because that's the buzzword they, they like to use. Islamic extremist. And I guarantee you, if we see an event by the end of the month, I can guarantee you that it's the U.S. government and the fucking CIA that is doing it and behind it. And to go down the rabbit hole even further, I literally was on the phone last night with a, the medium friend of mine, and she was saying the same thing. Tell people to avoid three days before or three days after the 31st and stay away from public spaces and that some major event is coming. And the, this guy's what this guy's name, uh, Dick something. He's a he's a remote viewer. His he's all over the Internet right now. And I've had his stuff sent to me several times. And he's talking about they viewed some mushroom cloud or some big event that's going to be an earth-changing event. You can see where all this is going. Even if even if you're looking, Alger, yes, thank you. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate that. It's Algier is what it is. Anyway, thanks for that, by the way. Um, you can tell I've been on the phone all day. The, the interesting part, part about all this is when you take away the rabbit hole side of this, I will tell you that, I, number one, I have field grade officers coming out of coming out of the woodwork right now. I've probably had 20 just in the last four days reach out to me talking about 
a variety of, of different things, wanting to make a positive connection and give my opinion on things. So that's that gives me a lot of hope. The other thing is, is that, and I said that in my last sit rep, but since my last sit rep, I've had more field grades come out, come out of the woodwork. So we're starting to see positive traction from all of this. And where I'm going with that is among all of these field grades, everyone agrees something big is coming. You can feel it. Don't tell me you can't. And I've said this before in other live sit reps. Everybody can feel it. And what you're seeing right now is the information catalyst that will allow them to build the narrative. Remember, they always build the narrative. They want to bring you along. What did they do after 9-11? They shocked the world with 9-11. Planes hit buildings. And then they led the narrative to Saddam Hussein was building weapons of mass destruction, and these terrorists were trained X. Turns out they were trained by the CIA. They were brought over by the CIA. They were housed in CIA safe houses, and they were taught to fly in flight schools here in Florida. What does that tell you? They're building the same narrative for, a, for the same kind of a 9-11 event, and this time it's not going to work for them because everybody's onto it. And the more people that you get to realize that this is a false flag, and the more momentum we get behind this, the more it disrupts their operations because they're counting on public support for all of this. And this is this is vitally important that people understand this. They are not going to take any action until they build the narrative to the point where they can justify it and people accept it. You notice how it's October 9th and we haven't heard anything about mask mandates or lockdowns. Do you know why that is? It's very simple. They have lost public support. And the moment that Alex Jones published that and Trump said resist, they knew they lost the narrative. That's exactly why. Every single time that we disrupt their narrative, every single time that we get public awareness up to a level where people question the narrative, it disrupts their information campaign and it precludes them from trying to go down the rabbit hole or start another false flag. That's why it's so important to dissect all these narratives and get to the heart of the truth. All it takes is a cursory amount of research on the Gaza Strip and you can see exactly what I'm talking about. And even Israelis are starting to come out now and say, wait a minute, the Gaza Strip's the most heavily defended dirt on this planet. You're telling me that we didn't know they were coming? That's a lie. That's a blatant lie. And you know when Israelis are saying it, that the rest of the world will start paying attention. And when it hits social media and the mass conscious of the world gets a hold of it, guess what? They lose control of the narrative. And this is, this is the part that we can disrupt their operations. And we, nobody has to be uncomfortable to do this. It's just awareness, it's engagement, and it's retransmission, retransmission. What we call in the military, beat the drum. Keep beating the drums. Keep telling people that this is going on. Keep beating the drums. And that's what we can do to disrupt their operations. And that's why it's so vitally important that when information comes out that counters their narrative, we broadcast and retransmit that everywhere. Because we need to tell them, not only are we going to disrupt every one of your lies, 
we're going to make sure the entire planet knows that you're lying. And if this doesn't bring Netanyahu down for good, I don't know what will. Because the lie was published today that the Israelis knew about it before it even took place. 800 deaths on their watch, and they knew about it. Take that in for a second. They allowed 800 of their citizens to be killed when they could have stopped this before it ever started. That's the power of social media. It raises awareness. And alternative media has given us a platform to where we can disrupt their operations from an information perspective. Because look, most of most of the younger generations don't remember when there was three TV channels. ABC, NBC, CBS. It's some shitty local channel that had terrible broadcast, terrible shows, terrible programming, and terrible signal. But everybody had one of them. And then in the late, late 80s, they had these uh, cable outlets and these cable channels that were like, you know, late night guys in their basement and their underwear. But there was three, three main channels. And go back to the moon landing. I was three when the moon landing happened. And I remember sitting in front of the TV and my entire family was sitting in front of the TV glued to the broadcast of the Apollo mission landed on the moon. And nobody questioned it. No one. Nobody even thought twice, twice about questioning it. Because that whole generation from the time TV was brought in until the moon landing, people were taught, you know, trust newscasters. This is the fourth fourth institution in government. This is the, the fourth pillar of our government. They're, they're doing fair and unbiased reporting. Little did anybody know that the CIA was running the show back then and big media was running the show even in 69. But thanks to alternative media, thanks to the ability to retransmit almost instantaneously in near real time, their narratives are disrupted faster than they could get them seated in the public consciousness. And that's why retransmission is so important, even in this case. Every bit of it that has been broadcast to date, all mainstream media has been a fucking lie. Every bit of it. And the piece that I'm waiting to hear is that the Chinese have crossed the strait and they're openly engaging and taking the island. That's, to me, that is the ultimate intent of us moving our carrier battle groups there and shifting our focus is so the Chinese could go have unfettered access to Taiwan. And at the same time, we have air cover to abandon Ukraine. And I'm just waiting for Zelensky to get hung. The only byproduct of Ukraine that's going to be fantastic is watching that little Keebler elf get hung from a tall building in Ukraine. That's that's the only piece of it that I'm looking forward to. And some of his, his corrupt generals. And hopefully some of the oligarchs over there. I hope Putin doesn't stop and he goes after the oligarchs. But they'll probably get away in their private jets and go to London. Because, you know, the city of London is the other bag of shit bags that are uh, that are working with the Israeli government to make all this happen. Either way. And Chris, there's no left or right. There's only the haves and the have-nots. This whole left-right Republican Democrat argument, it's all a construct. 
There's no such thing as left or right. It's the haves and the have-nots and the useful idiots and the non-believers. That's all there is. Either way, this whole thing in, in Israel is a lie, every bit of right down to their, their actions right now. And when they kick off offensive operations into Gaza, a lot of really innocent people are going to get killed. Because look, they give you the option to leave your home. It's the same problem that everybody has across the planet. There's no place for them to go. People are stuck in the circumstances they're in and they have no place to go. It's just a part of the game. So jury's still out on Putin if he's if he's involved in the whole thing. But it sure looks like the Russians and the Chinese are in coordination with our government and other governments. It sure looks like that. Especially when you look at the financial side of the house. The financial side of the house is well too coordinated. And the destruction of the U.S. dollar is well too coordinated for me to think anything else. But jury, we'll see. Jury's still out on Putin. We'll see. The thing that I think is that we're all being herded towards one event, and that one event is going to decide the fate of humanity. And it won't be the event itself. It'll be our reaction to it. And I will tell you that if they nuke an American city or they use a biological weapon that kills millions of people, our obligation is to run down every fucking politician in Washington, D.C., and make them stand trial for crimes against humanity because every single one of them will be in on it. I don't think for one second that the political apparatus in Washington, D.C. is not well aware of everything going on. I mean, let's face it, Ukraine was a money laundering campaign. It wasn't a war. It was a weapons test for Russia, and it was a money laundering scheme for the elite. I do think it's interesting that Kevin McCarthy was speaker for, what, six, seven months? Longer than that. And Nancy Pelosi was still in the speaker's office? What does that tell you? It tells me that he was completely owned by Pelosi and that he's firmly in the uniparty. Every bit of it. Man, what a mess. But it should tell you that nothing, nothing you're seeing is remotely real. And I've been saying for months, everything you're seeing is fiction. I firmly believe that because I, they're using some of the same talking points that we used in Iraq. They're using some of the same video clips and staged videos. I mean, they just keep replaying the same script and I keep seeing it over and over and over again. Like people standing over a dead body or somebody writhing in pain on the ground. All of that is the exact same shit. Go back to the archives in Iraq. Every mainstream video that was published during the Iraq war, you can see the exact same playbook played over and over and over again throughout the war. And I wouldn't be surprised if half of the video we're seeing right now that's going across the entire planet is from the seven-day war, the Yom Kippur war. They've probably poached video from every other Israeli conflict to date. And they're pushing it now as it's happening right now. That's why I say the playbook is so easy to spot. You know, and once you've written some of this stuff and you see it over and over again, especially in TV shows and movies, you can see it play out over and over and over again. Now, the bright spot in all of this, believe it or not, is that the rest of the world 
is watching this with skepticism and this blind faith that the reporting that they're getting from the mainstream is real is gone. It's long gone. In fact, one of the first phone calls I got when all of this kicked off, um, if you go, Stanley, if you go look at the sit rep I did before this on, I think it was on the 6th, I replied with the post to Telegram, uh, Troop's Telegram channel so you can see it. Yeah, thanks, Troop. He's not on Rumble. He's only on Telegram. So where I was going with that is, if you look back, if you look back to any of the reporting, and one of the first calls I got on Saturday, actually it was one of the first texts I got on Saturday, was from a buddy of mine that's still in the system. And he said, everything you're seeing is a fucking lie. And that's all he said. And that tells me right there, right away, that even, even the folks inside the system know this is bullshit. I can tell you that this was planned at the highest levels of the Israeli government. And it was probably broadcast to Obama and Biden and the key members of the Biden staff well before it would kick off. And they probably had an estimate of when they were going to kick off. Look, every and I've said this before, and it's worth it's worth repeating. The the point of the exercise is that anytime you do any kind of conflict that where kinetic is involved wars are won and lost by logistics you can't move a large amount of forces and weapons into an area without it being observed because it takes a huge amount of logistics to move weapons the shit's heavy ammunition's heavy rockets are heavy tank rounds are heavy it takes a lot of logistics to move that and you can set from space and that's why I say coming because they could see the logistics happening real time. They have that sophisticated of uh, surveillance all across the West Bank and Gaza to be able to see all that movement, as well as they know every mail that goes in and out of that place. Think of Northern Ireland, only 10 times more sophisticated. So, you know, all of that is right in front of our face. All of that is a, is yet another um, piece of this. And hey, true, if if uh, if I send you the link and you jump into this, because I think you have an interesting perspective, and I'm going to add Colonel Conrad to this because he just jumped on board. But true, if uh, I'll I'll drop the link in your uh, if you can jump on. You got time? There's Colonel Conrad. Dave, can you hear me? Hey, good evening. Yes, sorry for getting on late here. No worries. I was just, uh, I was just talking through that the logistically, the uh, troop. I should just add you to the fucking thing every week. I don't know why I don't do that. My bad. So, see my folks, and I'll add troop too. Um, I was just lamenting that the Gaza Strip is probably the most heavily monitored area, strip of dirt on the planet, and there's no way logistically that Hamas could have moved that amount of manpower and weaponry without the Israeli government seeing it. And that the Israeli government not only knew about this, they probably knew exactly when they were gonna kick off. I propose to you that they had the playbook long before this ever kicked off. Well, it, it's true. We've seen at least a couple of different female IDF soldiers 
who served right in that area talking about that very thing. I mean, they're, they're eyewitnesses to the actual level of security that exists. But what's, what's confusing to me is how the Mossad could possibly miss the, vol the sheer volume of stockpiles of missiles that the Iranians would have had to send over for. Well, Mossad didn't uh, miss it. You know, they didn't and, miss and it. Exactly, exactly. This and was a planned event. Absolutely, 100%. 100%. And I, I, my, my supposition is just because just I know I know you'll have a feedback on this. Sorry to cut you off, by the way. No, sorry. Right. My, my supposition is this serves Israel for three ways. And I know you'll probably think of a few more ways it serves them. Number one, this gives them the catalyst to raise Gaza. Number two, this gives them the opportunity to start a wider war with Iran, which they have wanted for years. And then number three, it draws us into the fight and gives them boots on the ground, which also gives our government the chance to plant a false flag here on, on our soil. Well, I'll give you four and five. Uh, number four. I, I knew you'd have them, so <laughs> go, go for it. Number four, and I'm, I'm in lockstep with you on these things, by the way. Uh, sometimes we disagree, but we're, we're right in line on this. Number four would be uh, you know, go back to our discussion last week. We talked about all of these thousands, hundreds of thousands of Asians coming in across our border. And we even mentioned, you know, it's been it's been 20 years, literally, that they've been finding Qurans in the desert with with Muslims coming across our southern border. And so there are literally millions of potential foreign agents in our country and given the amount of time and the availability of weaponry and ammunition and things like that, um, you know, what we're seeing in Israel is effectively a trial run on a much vastly smaller scale for the kind of murder and mayhem uh, that we could expect to see in this country. That's exactly, to go that route. That's exactly what I posted in Telegram on Saturday. The first when I first heard about this was that. That this is a dress rehearsal for what they're going to do here. Thanks for thanks for reminding me of that. But the the, the other thing is that the um, you know I talked to Raul about this and he's he's a little tied up. But and I'm not sure you want to go down into this rabbit hole to this extent. But uh, I will touch on it. Go back to pawns in the game, and what did we see? We saw people talking about how the Jews were willing to kill. Jews, in other words, the Jews that were bankers were willing to accept the sacrifice of Jews in Germany to further globalist agendas. And so one of the things we have to look at is what's going on in the Ukraine, because there's a linkage there. Rawl had, had talked to me for a couple of months about um, the, the, the Jewish interest in Ukraine and talking about limited water, limited resources, not good ground for growing looking for excuses to move people out of Israel and up into the Ukraine. How that plays with, with the Russians, I don't know, but I know there's, there's a lot of cross-connectivity there and a lot of interests that the globalists have. And, and uh, of course, Benjamin Netanyahu, you go back to 9-11, um, you know, we're, we're well aware of the documented so-called Israeli art students that were living in the World Trade Centers were familiar with the, uh, and then they were later captured, held for 60 days, and then released. That's a matter on the congressional record. And then and then the 
and then the um, the other side of that was you've got the the quote unquote dancing Israelis that were um, you know jumping all around when the towers came down at 9/11. So if Netanyahu had had involvement in that situation, I'm sure he has no compunction about uh, you know being a good uh, a good soldier for the globalists and and allowing something like this to happen to his own people you know so there's there's all kinds of implications for this um but i think the biggest thing for the american public to take into stock is what we're seeing in israel it could be happening you know in in a, in a community near yours uh at some point in the next year or two Certainly. Oh, it will come here, and they will they will put all these military age males into UN uniforms. So, hey, troop, thanks for joining. By the way, appreciate it. Uh, hello, everybody. Hello, colonels. Good day. So, I don't know if you were tracking on what we were talking about, but we, we both agree that this is a dress rehearsal for what they're going to do here. Oh yeah, and I I see this as a holy war 3.0, and they have nothing to lose. We're so overtaxed right now. I don't know how accurate the reports were that Israelis sent 80% of their ammunition to Ukraine, but I know that all of the, you know, all the NATO countries have basically given Ukraine all of their, you know, their old war stock, if you will, and then a lot of new stuff. And even, what was it, two years ago, they were, they were pulling some of the long-range rifles out of group some of their more modern equipment that they were using to replace the old, uh, what was it? The M 70, the Remington 700 sniper rifles. And then they had the 300 wind mags and then they tried to the 338 Laupas and then they, they migrated to a different platform. So they didn't just take all the old shit. They took all the new shit too. And the, the special forces were, I mean, they reconfigured before a mission anyway. So it isn't like they just have the stuff rolling in the round in the back of their Humvees, but taking all of that equipment, putting it in theater in Ukraine. And we had already predicted that these weapons they left in Kabul were going to be coming across the U.S. border. They were going to be just proliferating all over Northern Africa and Southeast Asia and into Europe. And so I, I believe there's a lot of credibility that the weapons we left in Afghanistan and the weapons that we gave to Ukraine, that the Ukrainian crooked generals or whomever were in the supply chain, uh, you know, sold out on the black market whether they sold those weapons directly to Hamas or whether it was just buyers um, kind of like that movie Lord of war, where they just kind of bought all these cheap American made weapons and ammunition. And then they, they planned this, but this was not some kind of organic event. And as I, I said, the day it happened, the fucking Amazon shit fairy did not deliver 5,000 rockets and nobody noticed. And then all of a sudden they're raining down on Israel. But, queuing up the i think boss said it best uh, he said you know everybody in europe is a historian and in the united states we stopped teaching civics and nobody really knows what happened 50 years ago let alone 500 years ago but the the radical muslim community and i agree with you steve on this too that you know you could say that all catholic priests are pedophiles and all muslims are terrorists and you know we could go down the line on on who we hate but there are a lot of radicalized individuals whether or not they're practicing Muslims, they're radicalized because they've grown up in war-torn poverty and they have just, it's been inculcated into their brain that America is bad. And now we've opened up all of the gates into America 
for all of these people who have spent their entire lives underneath exploding JDAMs and UN troops. And now they're in America. And we have this big transformative event. This is greater than the Cal fight. I mean, they really kicked Israel in the nuts. Whether Israel saw it coming or allowed it or not, I think they did. But this is going to trigger a bunch of people. So what's going to happen? Think like BLM, but it's a bunch of radical uh, Muslim-affiliated terrorists. And those are just the foot soldiers that are going to be rabble-rousing and doing stupid shit. The ones that I'm worried about are the ones that the CIA trained or were trained by the people that we trained that have given them, again, like on the last call, a very specific uh, set of training, not necessarily a, a known target, but a very specific set of training and enough time and resources to gather the elements and configure the things that they need to have at the ready. So when they get the signal, then they start these targeted terrorist attacks. And that's going to happen here in the U.S. It's going to happen in Europe. It's going to happen in all kinds of different places. All at the same time. Yeah, all at the same time. It's and not be, It's not going to be just isolated to the U.S. It's not going to be isolated to Europe. It's going to be all over the place, all at the same time. And again, Dave, you can talk this better than I can. This is right out of pawns in the game. They create the chaos phase, and they bring in the troops and offer the solution. It's literally the UN troops and the communist side of this to bring in the communist system. To correct me if I'm wrong. No, I, I think I think you're right on track. I think I think both of your analytics troop and yourself are on the money. Um, you know, it's it's a matter of timing. You were talking about the sequence of certain things. I'm not sure how much distance there will be between this event and what we see. Uh, you know, for me, the focal point is still the 2024 election. Uh, like you, I'm very trepidatious to think that we're even going to get there. But it is the focal point by which the deep state plans. That's the big event. And whatever is going to suit their agenda to give them the greatest leverage and advantage heading into that will be what dictates the timing of things kicking off in this country. If they think they need to do it six months ahead of time, they'll do it then. If they want to wait until just a month or so before um, and, and you know create their own shock and awe in this country for maximum impact, then you know, we may not see that happen until you know September, October of next year. But um, I, I completely agree with the linkage of all of these things going on. There's a plan. There's been a plan. Um, there's no coincidence as to, you know, the amount of weaponry, the amount of munitions, all of this kind of stuff. You know, I, I'm also, I don't, I, I, I had to turn away for just a second troop. I didn't hear uh, if you had mentioned not just stuff coming out of Afghanistan that we had left there, but obviously all of this stuff trafficked through the Ukraine adds to the situation as well and, and i would figure you guys probably touched on that oh yeah yeah i'm thinking if for, for every hundred boxes of free shit we sent ukraine uh i don't know i'd say probably 40 of those boxes are, are not currently in the ukrainian theater being used to fight with the russians well it's pretty hard you know when you're standing there with both hands reaching for the sky to be blown through a bunch of munitions and that seems to be you know an increasing habit on the part of the uh, ukrainian forces well, it's because the, the the stuff that they gave to Hamas and to Iran never made it to their hands in the first place. So they were they were sent out there with substandard equipment, substandard support, and with the constant ISR over their head, they can't move anything or anyone 
in in large groups without having a bomb on their head. So they they're moving guys two to three at a time. And you if you're moving two to three guys, you're not carrying that big of a logistics or sustainment package with you. And then they drop them off and they don't see anybody for a week or two. I mean, that's that explains it right there. They, and that's been going on since almost day one. So we're we're watching the last gasps of a dying regime over there. And I, I'll bet that I'm going to say 30 to 40% of the equipment we sent probably never even made it there. Well, I want to go back just for a second to stuff we talked about a couple of months ago. We still, people are drawing conclusions about how warfare is changing and how maneuver warfare from the 20th century is no longer valid because of the overhead drones. I, I'm not so ready to say that or admit that simply because we have not seen the kind of large scale large unit operations that overwhelm someone. And it's surprising that the Russians still have not um, graduated to that, but they haven't. And uh, nonetheless, the, the question mark in my mind throughout this entire situation is what exactly is the status, the actual status in the United States military? I'm hearing things about not just low morale, but people refusing promotion into the flag ranks, guys who are colonels and, you know, captains in the Navy, things like this, refusing to take that next step just because they're so uncertain of the political climate and what it may mean for them. And so, you know, both with the leadership in the, in the higher command ranks, as well as actually right down at, at unit and troop level, um, how are folks feeling in those ranks? What are they willing to do in terms of defending the Constitution? What's the level of being awake versus being woke that truly exists? I don't fifty percent. It's over fifty yeah. percent still is is um, uh, dedicated to the Constitution. Remember, a lot of these, and I heard that I'm hearing the same things, but I'm also hearing that a lot of the reason why they're turning down flag rank is they just want to hit their retirement mm -hmm. and now they're leaving because they, they don't want any part of it anymore. And the other thing I'm hearing too, is that there's a growing number of people with vaccine injuries that are starting to build a class action lawsuit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm seeing and hearing the same things you are as well as I'm hearing more and more. I heard this uh, this morning, which was this one bright in my day too. I got a call from a, a constitutional sheriff. Um, I want to say it was Oklahoma. And I only had a few minutes to talk to him. But I've definitely listened to the sit rep and he's like, Colonel, there's more of us than you know that are not going to enforce un unconstitutional laws. And the moment that we see something bad happening, we're going to deputize all the people in our in our counties that we know that we can trust. So that's, that's a ray of sunshine too. So we're, it, it's starting to, to spread across the country, um, not just in the military, but you're seeing those higher ranks be vacated because people know that the commitment is, is something that they can't sign up for. And it's the same thing we saw with the vaccine mandates. So we saw the first round of people being purged. The second round is now, and what you're going to see next is them say, we have a crisis with recruiting, so we're going to allow non-Americans into the military. That'll be the next thing they do, probably within the next few weeks, if not the next few months. 
No, I, I agree. Watering down the military is I, I think something that's been in their long-term plans from the start, not to mention giving them access to uniforms, weapons, training, and so on. Um, but, you know, uh, it is funny, Tom Luongo was on Mel K uh, a couple of weeks, two weeks ago, talking about the same concept from a financial perspective and saying, hey, um, yeah, they, they may claim to be able to come and, and uh, take over your home, your property, but what are they going to do in a county where there's you get 40,000 properties to do that to? They, they can't touch everybody. It's, it's too big of a bite for them to take. No, and he yeah. said the same thing on his on his podcast this week. He was talking to a crypto guy this week. He was talking the same thing. Yeah. But here's where here's where I depart with with Luongo. And I depart with him in the sense that he's taking this from a perspective that the financial system hasn't collapsed and that the dollar is still strong. The financial system is going to collapse. They're purposely collapsing. And his premise is, is that the Bank of International Settlements and that the the World Bank and the um the um, what do you call it? Central banks are all losing grasp to Russia and China, and, and I'm not so convinced that Russia and China aren't playing along, because who controls most of the purse strings for both for both Putin and for Xi? It's the central banks. They still play a big role in clearinghouse for a lot of the transactions across the planet. You can't tell me that they're not at least coerced in some way or at least have some kind of a rope around their neck because some of their actions lead me to believe that they're still being somewhat controlled and and i the only people that are off the reservation are the iranians that that for sure i know they're off the reservation <laughs> so but everybody else is questionable i guess is what i'm trying to say when I grew up, I had some Iranian. I had an Iranian family next door to me, and and they were mostly very nice, but they 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 could get a little crazy sometimes. I'll say that. But um, you know, I, I'm the last guy to talk about financial things. But the one, the one aspect of that that I've heard about is that you know for the last thirty thirty five years, they've been building this this derivative bubble, so to speak, and it's. You know, it's a lot of investment in something that's that's rather fiduciary. It's not real, and it's almost like they're filling a room with gas, and it's it's just a matter of when is some going to get when is some going to light a match. Well, they need a world warfare air cover to 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 cover the financial collapse that they created in the first place, right? So, right. so one thing I do agree with Luongo though that he talked about is that. BlackRock was trying to use zero zero percent money to buy single family homes, and and I know here just around me in my neighborhood, BlackRock purchased at least six of the homes just in my neighborhood, and that was that was a year ago. And I, I routinely was getting up until about two months ago, I was routinely getting calls for somebody from somebody who wanted to buy my property. So I'm telling you that they were highly effective until the interest rates went up, then full stop. So I think that. Luongo's right about that. The BlackRock's been forced to refocus on their balance sheet, which I don't think that was a globalist action. I think that was people without a seat at the table taking that action through Jerome Powell to drive operations in a different direction. And I think we're going to see that on the battlefield because I think there's a group of people that are still in the system that don't want a world war and don't want us to participate in a world war. I don't know. Uh, Troop's got a better view of this than I do. 
one of the things I, I'm not hearing anybody talk about, and I'll try to make it short, but draw a triangle right now on a piece of paper in your mind, and at the top of that, put China. We're going to talk about the influencing entities here. Well, China is definitely going to take back Hong Kong and Taiwan, and not not Taiwan and then Hong Kong as an afterthought, but Hong Kong and then Taiwan. China, Russia, and Iran, the three corners of that triangle, they all have a beef with somebody, but I can guarantee you that when China makes a move on Taiwan and Hong Kong, they're going to call up Kim Jong and they're going to have him start lobbing rockets at Japan and South Korea. Now, it didn't take a, a whole lot of history lessons to realize that China still hates Japan. Japan did some pretty nasty shit to the Chinese people. So they have no problem enabling North Korea to just launch shit at Japan. The fact that we allowed the South China Sea to become militarized, in my opinion, is treasonous on behalf of our decision makers in the United States. And then, of course, Iran has said publicly many times they don't just want to destroy Israel. They literally want to wipe Israel off the map. Like they want to erase the landmass that Israelis are on so that it's nothing but a desert. But China, Russia and Iran working together they all have kind of different goals. And the one kind of wild card that I'm looking at is Russia, because don't forget, Russia is still moving shit into Cuba. Russia is still building strong bonds with South America, Central America, and China is leaning on Panama. So if we have a socialist leftist in charge of Brazil now, people can't go around the horn of South America without some type of potential interference. They can't go through the Panama Canal if we let that situation deteriorate any further. Thank you, President Carter, by the way. So what, what does that leave? What's the goal here? In my view, I think the ultimate goal is the North Arctic Sea. They have already influenced Canada. It's basically part of China now. They've done the same thing in Australia. But look at Canada for a moment and look at all of the contested waterways north of Canada. If Russia, Iran, and China are able to influence Cuba, multiple nations in Central and South America, and Canada, they don't need to destroy the United States. What they need to do is hobble us. And that's the perfect way of doing it, because our relationship with Canada is deteriorating very rapidly under this Chinese influence. The United States in i would say less than 25 years unless we grab our balls stand up and push back is going to be subject to being first of all hobbled and then marginalized and then subjugated and after all these chinese control the politicians control the schools control the media control everything and they have a long-term indoctrination and not just the indoctrination that's been happening at the collegiate level since the vietnam war but i'm talking pushing it all the way down to the grade school now Eventually, they will control the United States if we allow them. But I think the key here is we need to we need to look at our own interests. And if you do look at the the whole connected continents of you know North and South America, and you look at where all of the concerns are, the concerns are Panama, the Horn of uh, South America, and what we're not talking about, which is the the Northern Arctic Sea, and it's Russia, China, and Iran, and all three of those locations. So all of this other stuff. This bullshit with Israel, this bullshit with Ukraine. I mean, it's it's important and it's distracting, but it's designed to drain resources more than it is to accomplish any kind of political goal, in my opinion. It's I just don't a disagree main- with that. And and Casey, you've said this before that don't lump 
China into a single entity. We're not. We're using we're 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 out what Trump what Troop is outlining is the same thing that I've outlined over and over again, that the Chinese have infiltrated every institution in our society. First, it was universities. Then it was the then it was the K through 12 school system through the school boards and through um, the Confucius University and through funding. And now they're going after grade schoolers. So I get that there's multiple factions in China. But if you go back to the COVID lockdowns, the extreme COVID lockdowns they did, they they literally purged all Xi purged every all as many of his his um, political opponents as he possibly could during the COVID lockdowns that they just went through. And they did the same thing in Hong Kong. So, you know, the, the, in my view, the only way that the Chinese are going to take back their country from the CCP is that they literally have to be ungovernable to the point where they have to station troops in their own country. And I, I would be hard pressed to say that, you know, all of their troops are going to support killing Chinese citizens. I, that, I just don't see that happening. Only the hardened, ardent believers are going to be the ones that support that. But it's just like here. There's going to be a certain percentage that don't go along with it. And either way, they the, Xi is still in power. Xi is still doing things every day. And I'm pretty sure that guy wakes up every day and, and goes through the laundry list of things he has to do just to stay in power for that day, as well as, you know, which political opponents are the biggest threat. And I will, I will tell you that the two guys, his debt, his two deputies are the most dangerous people in China right now. One, they detest each other. And number two, both of them want Xi's position. So, but they play the long game and how that plays out when it plays out, you know, who knows? Either way, they've infiltrated us to the point now where Americans have to either get involved and take back their communities, which is exactly why I've been talking about local level first, sphere of influence, line of sight, is for that reason. Because to reformat and restructure any institution in our society has to start at the community level, which means everybody has to agree, or at least you have to get enough people to agree to take action. And that's the hardest part because Americans are fucking lazy and they want to watch football, football all day. And yeah, that's a generalization. But how many people have gotten off their asses and gone after school boards? I'm to be perfectly honest. I'm surprised that there aren't school board members that have been hung in their fucking driveways for some of the things they're putting in front of kids right now. But that should tell you that the litmus test was them pushing all of this trans gay nonsense into our school system and then weaponize the FBI to go after parents. Anyway. Well, I, no, I listen. and tangerial. So let's get back to the topic at hand that China is, is literally a catalyst for all this. I agree. But China is, is not just playing the long card that sometimes frequently they play the safe card. So even if they have assets, and capabilities within our own country, uh, effectively a knife to our throat. They don't have to use that if it's not called for. Now, Troop, I like the word marginalize that you used when you were talking about to uh, you know how they may view their strategy towards the United States. I was listening to somebody talk about the Russian development, and, and Putin had made outreach to not one, but a couple of different 
United States administrations over the last 20 years to work in conjunction and develop some of these Arctic uh, sea lanes. So these sea lanes of communication are critical because they hold the potential to, to not just circumvent the United States and a lot of the traditional sea lines of communication, but to cut off thousands and thousands of, of sea travel for a lot of the logistics that go on on this planet. And so when you take a look at that in combination with uh, Russian dominance militarily of the landmass surrounding those waterways, combined yet further with the Chinese uh, schedule of naval development, you look at how many ships they're building and things like this, it's clear they intend to replace us as the preeminent naval power on the planet. And if they stay on track, they're going to get away with that. And so, you know, look at look at the whole uh, Belt and Road Initiative. You look at the naval development. You look at, uh, you know, the landmass dominance by Russia to the north. Uh, it, 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 and then you look, of course, at, at shifting sands and the dollar no longer being world currency. It puts them in the driver's seat potentially to marginalize us without firing a shot. Well, that's what they're trying to do, but they're not going to. Here's where their plan trips up. And, and I've said this before, and it's worth repeating. The Chinese are really good at infiltration. Communists are really good at intelligence and infiltration, but they suck at complex operations. And this will trip them up because regionalization is one piece. They don't want to be the reserve currency. Their quandary is they have their 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 currency is so heavily manipulated that they can't be the reserve currency. It's a kiss of death for them. So they have a they have a quandary. And Luongo talks about this way better than I can. But I agree with them in the sense that they don't want to be the reserve currency. So there's value in destabilizing us, but not enough destabilization for them to um, take over as the reserve currency. They would rather regionalize us and marginalize us as a regional power and take away our global status than they would to destroy us completely. Exactly. It's it's the European pricks and the Eurofags that are the ones that want to destroy everything because they're all they think they've been sold by the whole Henry Kissinger, Klaus Schwab crew, that the best avenue to put everybody back into serfdom is to create a communist society across the West. But it won't work because you're they're playing a script against 75 to 80 years of people who fought the Cold War that aren't going to allow that bullshit to happen here. And most importantly, at some point, and I've said this before and it bears repeating, there's going to be a switch that's flipped with the American people. and I. I don't know what the fuck that catalyst is because it's 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 frustrating to watch all this going down. But I know there's a certain point where the American switch will be flipped and it will be game on. And once it is, all those quiet, those quiet in the shadows, combat veterans that have been paying attention, laying low, preparing are going to come out of the woodwork and we're going to kick all of these foreigners the fuck out of our country. and then. Once we liberate our country, we're going to go up to Canada and hang that fucking faggot. And then we're going to go down to Australia and clean that up. And we're going to save Europe for last. And then we're going to go over there and clean house. We're going to start with the Davos crowd and work our way down. So I think, Steve, that our own government currently is seeing that. Remember, we're all MAGA terrorists right now or whatever. Fuck them. Um, 
Well, here's here's kind of the beauty of this nobody saw this coming thing in Israel. And you said it yourself. They know they can't do the COVID narrative again. They know lockdowns are bullshit. And they know that Trump is above what they call the margin of fraud. If they don't take that guy out, I mean, you pray for that guy every day. But he's going to be the next president unless they take him out or they figure out some other way to unplug him. But they're still nervous about it because regardless of who wins the election, people are pissed. And the Democrats don't have anybody to offer. So think about this. We have this Ukraine situation. It isn't going that well. We stole their milk money when we kicked McCarthy out. That was all a show, Kabuki Theater. He had already done all the damage that he could possibly have done. He had given away everything. So big fucking deal if they kick him out of his chair. They should have did that on day one. They shouldn't have allowed it. That means that every single one of those people that were like, oh, it takes one nomination from the floor to clear the chair. Every single one of them is complicit. That was all theater. But now who knows who's going to be the next speaker. We're coming into the election season now, and that's what, March, January, February, March, March April, this is going to kick off. The, the midterms are going to kick off. Election season is going to kick off. They can't lock people down. They can't declare war powers. They can't say, well, we have to suspend the elections because of whatever, but they have to figure out how to update their cheat algorithm. Now, they did that with COVID lockdowns and centralized voting and all this other stuff. Well, what happens if this Israeli war extends into next year and we do have a couple of very specific targeted attacks in the united states and europe we get that media cycle going here's exactly how this is going to go down whether they can suspend elections or not i don't know but if they put us in a situation where it's like oh well, all this oil got blown up and all these uh you know sea travel lines are, are disrupted and all these you know these things are happening rationing is how you control large populations they did it in world war ii they can do it today, but they can't say it's rationing because, oh, the COVID supply chain, they can say it's rationing because there's just as global instability. Everything's fucking dangerous, more fear prone. And now we have a couple of very targeted terrorist events that have happened in the United States, whether DCS, you know, uh, did it or not. But we have movement control now. Well, for your own safety, we have to make sure that we limit movement, we, you know, whatever. So it's everything that they got with COVID, but they just put a different cap on it and then to pacify everybody that's being literally driven into starvation and unemployment and isolation and now they're trying to you know control the media the misinformation thing and these mega extremists right forget about the the southern border terrorists i'm, I'm telling going, you right now if they do a no role i'm going to be the most ungovernable motherfucker. Well, right and we yeah so we've talked about this but we're talking you know in in an in a area effect right so you suspend elections you rations you do movement control and then you start doing government handouts sorry you lost your job steve here's a pound of government cheese and a bottle of water this is how you control a population at least passively and for the most part and concentrated into larger cities but they only need to control the cities that have the most what electoral votes or the most influence in an election they only need to do it for a very limited period of time and they have a, a perfect scapegoat now they have what 25 million illegals that have crossed the border and believe me they'll start spinning our narrative that these are terrorists that are coming in doing targeted operations because that's exactly what's happening and they know that but what the american public doesn't know is that dc in my opinion it's the it's a dcs under the dia under cia is the ones that are going to be spearheading this shit this is being run out of the white house 
This is literally being run through the UN. They they're funding all these people to come here through the UN. This well, they're on the supply side, yeah, but I'm talking on the delivery side, on the operationalized side. Fuck on the delivery side, they're using military bases and it's being run by the CIA. Give me a fucking break. We all know that. That's that's been going on for what, 2 years now? They've been coming in since at least early 21, and now it's Chinese Chinese nationals coming across in groups. You can't tell me the CIA doesn't know that. Of course well, they know that. And it's yeah. it's obviously we understand it's 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 not uh this isn't dictated from Washington, it's merely facilitated from Washington. Obviously the globalists and the internationalists, the people driving this, has been part of a plan for decades. And it's it, we're reaching, as you like to talk about, a culmination point at some point in the next year, most likely. I I think it's sooner than that. It's this year. It's this they're driving look. We didn't just get to 2020 through COVID. COVID started in January, and they stretched it out until 22, and they would have stretched it out even farther if they could have. And I think that they started that earlier than they wanted to. And I think that if, they, if they're on track right now, and I'm looking and I'm reading the tea leaves of what's going on on the ground over there, they only need to conduct one targeted raid because they just hit a mosque, a mosque today in in the in Gaza, they hit a few more mosques, and then they have a catalyst to bring all the crazies in from Afghanistan and from all over the Middle East, and they'll they'll report that they're coming in, and then the next thing they'll do is conduct some kind of a terror attack on either a European hotspot or a U.S. hotspot. We're into November. They 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 don't want to get to any of the the primaries they don't even want to get to any any of the uh early primaries they they want to get away get get rid of the election in total before we even start the process they would if they could whack trump today without making him a martyr they'd have done it already i don't think that they can do it without making him a martyr i think it's just distraction to keep the the press tied up for weeks on end so they're not paying attention to what they're passing in Congress and what they're appropriating for Ukraine. And now with, with Israel, it's a perfect storm for them. It gives them so many different outlets to go about doing what they want to do that this by December of this year, they're going to hit us before the heart of winter. They have to, because their plan involves us being destabilized in 24, 25, 26, and 27, so that we sign up by 30 for this new world order nonsense. And this global global communism, and there's going to be a certain part of the pop, certain part of the population that goes along with this, no matter what happens. And they're going to be whistling while they're walking into the gas chamber. I don't care about them. The ones I care about are the people in the middle that don't know where to look for good information, because there's still a lot of them that we can use to influence the situation. And I still think that we can influence their operations just through disrupting their information flow. Every time we counter one of their lies, like the like today, Israelis are coming out saying that the government knew about it. Every time we disrupt their operations, it disrupts their flow of information, disrupts their ability to conduct operations. I think that that buys us more time and it makes their system more and more brittle. Well, they're looking at putting Peter Navarro in jail coming up here because apparently uh, presidential or executive privilege doesn't exist anymore for some reason. But, you know, the bottom line is they'll use that as a test 
you take a look at the attitude of the judge in this current uh, Trump trial, and I think they're going to push the limit as far as they can. I think there will be a, one of the upcoming decision points for the American people is going to be them sticking Trump in jail uh, and incarcerating him. And then we're going to have some decisions to make. And they're crazy enough to try that too, Colonel. Yeah, I, I, I don't see them having much choice because, quite frankly, they don't have anybody on their side. If you think about it, you know, if you'd have told us three, four years ago that they were going to try and ride the Biden horse in through the second administration, would have looked at you like you were crazy. But and nobody has emerged on the other side. Everybody had talked about Michelle Obama and, uh, you know, Newsom and so on. But we we haven't seen that come to fruition at this point. Well, I think part of that's because the marriage of marriages of convenience are starting to fray, and they're coming apart because Pelosi was still supposed to be in the speakership, and she's gone, and now McCarthy's gone. I, I like I said, I think there's a group of people that don't have a seat at the table that are disrupting their operations. I don't think they've disrupted enough of their operations yet to be able to sway the you know swing the pendulum the other way because we still got the pendulum still swinging in one way and it's got to go all the way to the extent where corrections required and then it'll start to come back and i i think that that's going to happen fairly quickly because i think the more the more that they lose the narrative the more that they've um, lost the american public because look nobody on this planet trusts the american media or the european media no one and that is that is what they have relied on for generations to keep the population and keep public opinion in their favor. And they lost it in 2019. Now, every action they take, every decision they make, every time they go after Trump just galvanizes more people in the center that were left leaning to come to the right. And every single time that they do something to Trump, if they kill Trump, everybody that was on the left that was not a never Trumper that wasn't a yellow man bad, they're immediately in his camp because they know who did it and they can't hide from that. And once they do that, I guarantee you for at least a hundred million people in this country, that'll be a switch and that'll be game on. Well, I think the only thing that's kept Trump alive is, is if somebody drops a trigger, pulls a trigger, drops a hammer on him, uh, then, like, the, then it is game on, and oh, suddenly people on the left good. become, you know, they, they become uh, uh, targets themselves. Oh, absolutely! In, in mass, in mass. Yes, and it'll be well, it'll be open season, no bag limit. That's exactly what it'll be, and you know, that's why I, I, I'm not worried about Trump, at least not right now. And, and look, I, you can take Trump off the board right now because we're well past the Trump train for 24 or influencing operations or speaker of the house or any of that. It's, it's, it's a non-player right now because the, there's going to be a point where their plan is in motion to the point where they can't stop it. Even if the figureheads are taken out because the, the, the gears of the machine will still be rolling. And we've seen that in several instances already where I think they're going to trip up is a law of unintended consequences that you and I have been talking about. And Troop, you and I have talked about this too. The law of unintended consequences has not hit them fully yet, and it will. And when it does, it's going to create chaos. And where I think that chaos is going to show up is in the credit markets. 
once they lose control of the credit markets, which are teetering right now anyway because of the, the interest rate for housing, once that teeters, you know, it's going to be fucking mayhem because people won't be able to afford to buy anything. Do you know how many people are leveraged to the point where they're at least 60% debt right now? Once that tips over and people can't buy food, you're going to see all hell break loose and they will fucking lose control because the B team's B team is in D.C. in the echo chamber running the show. And they will not know what to do. And I guarantee you that when that happens, there's not a banker in the world that's going to survive that. Just saying. My thoughts anyway. No, I, I think they are going to use different uh, levers to leverage against us. One of the things that concerns me is, uh, you know, I do think we'll, we'll see some, some kind of pandemic coming across in the next year. Uh, but... You know, we have we have to remember the situation is very different than it was for three, four years ago. Trump had this massive economy that was chugging along strong. And I think the reason they came out with COVID as early as they did was because they needed to, to derail the economy going into the election and change, you know, sway some people there. And, no, and it I was don't, a, I don't, it, agree it, it, I don't you don't think that. so? No, fuck well, no, because the repo markets were in they were in free fall in February and January of 2020. Absolute okay. fucking free fall. That the, the repos, they were putting billions of dollars into the repo markets every single night. So the banks had liquidity. That they, they had to do something. And I'm I'm pretty sure that that was what drove COVID in the first place was the repo markets. And then on top of that, we were heavily subsidizing all of the oil and shell development in this country to keep gas prices artificially low. Remember who was in charge? It was Mnuchin that was in charge. And where's he been since then? And, of course, he just faded off into the sunset. I, I Luongo talks about this, and so does, uh, I can't think of his name, financial guy, talks about this at great length about the repo markets in January and February of 2020. The average person looking out their window thought it was a good economy, even if the details you're talking about are accurate. And I'm not arguing that. It was a perception, and and we're not dealing with that this time. We we know we have a, a, a complete bullshit for an economy right now, and so the timing of it is not as consequential. They can they can do that whenever it suits them. The thing I'm concerned about is when you start hearing about messenger RNA being put into our lettuce and and various you know produce and crops and other things like this. Um, you know what's the implication of that? That's that's if all of these things that we're talking about are important factors, but one of the major lines of effort is is affecting our health and our medical condition. And, you know, as you've pointed out many times, Steve, uh, you know, we're, we're on the backside and seeing all of these young people. What is it? Forty two percent increase in in uh, death amongst what, 15 to 40 year olds, something like that. Yeah. And now so, they're going after water. That's this goes back to what Troop said, control. How do you control a population, control the food, control the water? And and, you know, a corollary to that is control people's health. And it's, it's pretty hard to fight back when you're sick as a dog. And that's that's something we got to think about. I'm eating some genetically modified chicken wings from uh from the local pizza place right now, but I, I've been thinking about 
<laughs> about the uh, the how they how they would contaminate the food supply. Because if I'm going to give you a targeted dose of something, I'm not just going to put those heads of lettuce out on a bunch of store shelves and then you eat a lot of salad. I eat a little. They're going to figure out how to uh, normalize that technology so it's repeatable and predictable. Spread the wealth. They're going to use it in controlled like prison populations or school lunch programs or uh, government subsidized food programs or UN aid programs, and it has to be a one and done. Maybe you can get a double dose, maybe a triple dose, but it can't be, uh, you know, I ate 10 heads of lettuce and I got 50 doses of this. Now what? So really the question there isn't, isn't whether or not they've evolved the technology, but when they normalize it, how are they going to implement it? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would, I would wholeheartedly agree with that because I think um, that they have, they've already perfected the technology long ago and they've probably rolled it out, you know, in certain, certain places over the last several years. I, I think what they're running into is that, that, and this goes back to recent news about Gates working with China for DNA, um, US-based DNA and, and um, information. I know because I'm dealing with Chinese AI companies right now and, the um, the interesting piece of that is like the appeal that everybody's talking about that Gates Gates architected. It's already on a food. They've already tainted the food supply. So now they're going after water. And my guess is, is it's not as effective operationally as they thought it was going to be. And they have to punt and go after multiple different pieces because not everybody's diet's the same. So I agree with you on the fact that not everybody's going to eat a lot of salad so they can they can't just go after lettuce. They have to hit the whole food supply. And this is the other this is the double edged sword, though. And this is this goes back to what I was talking about with persistent, non persistent agents. You put a persistent agent in the environment and then a mutation happens and you are fucked, monumentally fucked because there's no there's no antidote or counter for it. And who's to say that that's not the next order of battle? They, they do some major event, but then there's a mutation. And that mutation could drive a lot of different things in our environment. They're completely un, unforeseen and unintended consequences of their, their initial actions. It's like we, we batted around the idea in Iraq of releasing a virus into all of the computer systems across Iraq. And, and, and the problem was you release it into Iraq with all the foreigners that are coming in and out, even the press. If just one box gets out with this virus, it could infect the entire Middle East. And then it could infect other continents. And then you have a real problem on your hands. And that's exactly how this works in the wild. You release a persistent agent, it mutates in an animal, somebody eats that animal, it mutates in their system, creates a, some kind of a you know pathogen. And guess what? You're off to the races. I, I, I can see them doing limited releases of things Either way, I, I still think that there is a ton of opportunity there for them to. Oh, we've got our first shell. Let me mute this prick. I dropped out of uh, Rumble chat to get on here, Steve. So there's no current admin coverage there. That's all right. I got it. So sorry about that. But there's, I, I'm worried about, I think that if we're going to see something like that, there's going to be mutation. We haven't seen that yet. So I just can, can't name my comments to that. Well, there's, there's, 
the wild card in that situation, at least with messenger RNA, is there, there's a time delay. And so it's it's one of those things that can play in the background and affect us where even if we ultimately win, we lose because it's it diminishes the population significantly. And, uh, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that you'd, you'd pretty much have to sit down and brainstorm the, the, the variety of actions that can be taken and, and tools, so to speak, in the arsenal of our enemy as to you know what all they can bring to bear against us. It's, it's the stuff we haven't discussed, the stuff we haven't talked about, uh, you know, in all these months that we've been talking about, uh, you know, areas of concern that worries me. Because it's you know what you don't see, what blindsides you, can uh, can be the most effective. Well, I, I think I, I don't disagree with that. I, their whole shock and awe. I I look at it this way. They've got an infinite pool of resources to draw from, but a very finite amount of people to carry it out, and a very finite amount of resources on the ground that's operational for them to sustain it. So their issue is not the initial; it's the they need public opinion after the initial shock and awe in order to carry it out and get people to voluntarily sign up for it. And that's the piece where we can disrupt their operations the most. And I think that even with the deepest pockets in the world, if you don't have enough boots on the ground, you're still not going to win the war. So even if they, and there's, you know, six, six, seven, eight, nine million people, nine billion people on the planet. Uh, not everybody's, you know, not everybody's going to be affected. Not everybody's going to sign up. And at some point, those that balance is going to tip in our favor. And I, and I, I'm still on to law of unintended consequences. I think they're going to do something that's going to that's going to tip the scales in our favor. And but they're going to kick it off through some kind of a, a major attack. And they're going to use this conflict in Israel to do it. That's that's my thoughts. I want to kind of touch on the the deployment of this virus or this agent. We kind of touched on it last time. If you, I want you to think of a of a candy coated peanut M M&M, and M, and it was this herpes virus conversation. I think people got lost on that because my phone dropped. If I wanted to control the dosage and the release of something, and I know I could channel uh, an agent kind of like the herpes virus where it could lay dormant for decades until it's activated through stress or some other kind of external influence, whether that's MRAD or there's something in the environment or, you know, some chemtrail. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get down on that path, but if I have the ability to encapsulate a, a biological agent into basically a, a microscopic M&M that can lay dormant in the fat tissue or in the nerve synapse or in the, the blood brain uh, barrier or somewhere in the body, and then turn that on or dissolve that candy coated shell whenever I feel it's appropriate. I could do that locally, regionally, globally. Uh, I don't think that they're advanced enough to say, uh, you know, I want to kill this particular ethnic or group of people, but I know that they could, they could already, they have this capability to encapsulate these types of sleeper agents. And that way it doesn't matter if you've overdosed, if you've eaten the lettuce 500 times or whatever, you may have more of a dosage in your body, but the dosage doesn't matter. What matters is the timing of triggering that dosage. So where and how would they deliver that? I think we could postulate all day long on what the delivery system could be, and it would be a moot point. The only thing that matters right now is getting 
incontrovertible evidence that they're they're deploying these types of agents either through the food supply. I don't think the I don't think anything soluble uh, is going to work. It would have to be something I would think like dry pills. If uh, 10% of the population's on birth control and 10% on, um, you know, a, an indigestion and 10% on whatever dry pill, I could target a bunch of demographic people based on the types of pharmaceutical drugs they're on by age, by ethnicity, by uh, sex. And then I could maybe follow along with a school lunch program or an encapsulated prison population or, or something else if I wanted to target a really specific group of people. But I know I can get that agent into people. And I know that that agent is going to have a persistence of at least a period of time. It may be a week, it may be a year, but then when am I going to turn it on? doesn't really matter how I'm going to turn it on. It could be a radio frequency. It could be some chemical I introduced into the, the water supply as a catalyst or an agent that activates or dissolves that candy coated shell. And that's, you know, just trying to keep it at a high level. But the, the question of whether or not they can contaminate the environment, that's already answered. Yeah, they can. And the question whether or not they could put a sleeper um, biological agent into a large group of people, that's answered, yes, they can. And they've done it. So now the question is, whom and where and in what timing and for what purpose would they trigger those agents? Well, I think part of it is they're going to trigger those agents when it's going to do the, you know how it is, they're going to do it when the maximum of effect, right? It's all about effects. So they would, they, and this goes back to the whole 5G conversation. You know, they're going to trigger Marburg through 5G and people are going to lose their shit. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bullshit with, you know, the, the conspiracy theory thing. But just the, the just looking at it from a, from a step function type of thing, um, introduce the agent, contaminate the population, and then uh, devise a method to trigger the agent, regardless of what that triggering mechanism is, and then keeping it at that level, that that whole discussion is plausible. They're clearly going to deliver it when the UFOs land. That's <laughs> that's my thought. <laughs> yeah, somebody sent me this this video with this gal. Her name's Kim Galgan, and I I couldn't. I, I try and give everything a fair shake because I like my bullshit freshly packaged and well delivered. But this bullshit was so beyond real. I was like, so here's the premise, because I'm not making this up. She's got a small team of people, and she controls the world financial system with a quantum computer in her house in San Diego. I'm That's not making house. that up. I'm not making that up. Does she have a UPS? I, you know, I, I just was like, and, you know, we live in a high-tech world. But every every interview, as I should say, the interview that I watched, literally, she's trying to use a whiteboard to talk about the financial system. Like, you run, you're supposedly running a quantum computer, and you can't do a fucking screen print. Are you shitting me? <laughs> I mean, that, that's an example of the the amount of nonsense that's out there that people listen to and buy into. And it takes us more time to unwind that and get to the truth than it does for those kinds of stories and those kind of influencers to rise to the top. That's that's the problem. So I I don't disagree that they're going to use this maximum effect at the right time, because I, I mean, for them, crashing everything, having kinetic here all at the same time benefits them because it, it drives all those people without resources to the place where you want, which is the food and cheese line. 
and then everybody else that's pre that's prepared, they can isolate with a no roll. So I, I think there's a lot there. I haven't been keeping up with the comments, by the way, so my apologies. Any questions out there that you guys have seen that we didn't answer? I know somebody wanted me to talk 5G. I'm not talking 5G. Steve, give me five minutes for 5G. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so 5G, we're going to talk about radio frequencies, and we're going to talk about receivers and transmitters, or transceivers, basically. It means you, your radio can send and receive at the same time. Now, the first G, second G, third G, that whether you want to call it generation or the band that it operates on, yes, in fact, there is a danger if you come too close to a radio frequency transmitter that's transmitting on a specific band, that means a specific frequency, at a specific power level. It's called a maximum exposure limit, and this is why antennas are up high off the ground. The only thing that I've seen with 5G that is truly a threat or a danger to the public is when they're mounting these really high power transceivers up on like the 32nd floor of an apartment building. And you look out your apartment window or your balcony and there's a 5G commercial antenna right there, whether it's on a reflector array or not, meaning that it's trying to push that signal in a, in a certain direction and you're behind uh, the backscatter. Yeah, that would deeply concern me. But unless that radio energy is directed at you like an MRAD system or you're climbing up on a tower and you're getting directly in front of a high output of a specific frequency, that isn't going to hurt you. What will hurt you is the bandwidth and the capability that this fifth generation communication network is going to deliver. It's all of those IoT devices. Everything's listening and everything's transmitting, everything's monitoring. So you have a extremely fine grain control over the movements and the tracking of people, data, systems, environmental events, and everything else. And the best way I could compare it is for those of you old enough to have an old television and it would scan, what was it, 300 lines uh, at 600 hertz or whatever. And then you got the, the, uh, the televisions that had the red, blue, and green lamps and they were bigger, but if you walked off of the edge, they would disappear. And then they had kind of better computer, uh, you know, better televisions. And then they had like the, the four color, OLED high resolution. It looks like you can stick your hand in the television set. It's that real. It's that high performance. It's that uh, high resolution. That's the best simile that I could come up with to, to explain what 5G is. It is an extremely high definition, high bandwidth, highly reliable, meaning we can cut 5G towers down all day long and we'll be able to take that uh, communication network offline in that local area because uh, the transmission range of 5G or the frequencies that they're using is not that great. But the just massive amount of bandwidth that that delivers gives you a China level of surveillance. So the fear of 5G isn't that they can remotely turn on your phone and turn you into a fucking zombie or whatever. It is that they can put very small devices that you cannot even see or notice on every telephone pole or every little treetop or every little drone or every little building or every little, you know, building fascia or in every little car, or every little utility box beyond your wildest comprehension. And all of those things are sending data. And so when you have something like that, it's either listening and reporting or it is listening to perform some type of action. Um, listening and reporting would be 
Uh, it's raining and a floodgate detected. There's more than 40 inches of water. So it reports that. And then there's another device that listens and takes an action and it gets a signal. It says you better open up a valve or we're going to have a flood. So that's a listening and take action. So these IoT devices have these specific functions, whether either they're surveilling and reporting or they're, they're in a wait mode and waiting to take some type of action. And then you have more sophisticated ones that, you know, maybe they have a camera on them or a listening device or whatever. But that's the true threat of 5G. It is the sheer incomprehensible number of sophisticated devices that will just proliferate across the globe and they aren't going to be contending for bandwidth. This isn't like the, you know, carrier detect multiple access collision networks that, you know, that, that we've had up to this point. These, this is everybody online, full send. They don't like you. They turn off your credit card. They shut down your new GMC. Uh, the feds know where you're at, whatever. But that's, that's what the danger is. It's not a radio frequency danger. It's a technology danger. That's why, why we freely bring it into our houses and plug it in and then communicate all around it. Like our phones, you carry your phone everywhere you go and you communicate all around it. So it's it's a perfect listening device. We do it to ourselves. Um, so somebody, uh, Granite, asked me about Dr. Lee Merritt. I don't know who that is. Um, is that the activist you've, lawyer? You've seen it's a female former military doctor, uh, if, if, I, if that's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, might have been a former naval surgeon, if I recall. I may have her confused with somebody else, but I think it's a former naval surgeon, very outspoken. Well, I've actually been trading messages with uh, Michael Yawn today to try and get him on the show, and he's he's going to come on the show. I just got to got to synchronize with him, and I still got to have Daniel Estelin on the show too. So we've been trading messages for last week. So I've got those two, and then I'll be on Gray Matters. I'm supposed to be on Gray Matters on the twentieth, so I got that going on too. Um, so. My dance card's full is what I'm trying to say, but I'll, I'll reach out to him. And thanks to uh, Shit Show for hooking me up with Michael Yon. I owe you one, man. That's, uh, that's a huge, huge win there. So I'm looking forward to having him on the show because he's still in the Darien Gap. So wh whatever he talks about is going to be really interesting. So, By the way, Dr. Joe Mercola, who's an exceptionally well-known functional medicine doctor, has talked quite a bit. He wrote a book called EMF'd. Uh, which fairly comprehensively addresses a lot of the stuff Troop was just talking about. I'm not sure. I, I'm not convinced that being bathed in all of this radiation uh, of electromagnetic spectrum is is good for us. Uh, I can tell you there were studies done when housing started to become electrified literally over 100 years ago. You started seeing... Um, an, up, an uptick in all kinds of medical conditions in urbanized settings where the electrical grid had come to life. And then years later, when the, the uh, suburban and later uh, rural townships started becoming electrified, those people, they started getting the same illnesses. And uh, I think one of the next uh, frontiers in medicine that will become very popular will have to do with with uh, you know spin uh, details of spin rates and all of that kind of stuff in in, in molecular particles, I should say atomic particles and subatomic details. I think and, it's going to be med beds as soon as Nasera Jacera comes out. We're going to have med beds, so we won't have to worry about being sick. Well, um, I'll believe that when I see it. But I do. I remember being told about something called radionics thirty years ago, and I still think there's there's some foundation to that from a medical perspective. 
Well, same with with magnets. There's there's healing properties to magnets too that's been suppressed. So, uh, I. I, I think medicine fundamentally is going to change when all this is over. Mm -hmm. I know that pharmaceuticals will fundamentally go away. So anyway, but uh, yeah, uh, let's uh, coming up on six o'clock. Let me open this up there. If there's any other questions or comments out there, now's the time. I don't want to keep Troop and, uh, and uh, Colonel Conrad any longer than we have to. Um, yeah, 335 people watching tonight. That's pretty amazing. So I appreciate everybody coming out. So, um, yeah, I don't know who that, who, uh, Dr. Lee Merritt is. I'll look him up or somebody post a link to the she, show. She, she, he, whatever. Yeah. So what about Hillary? She's, she's still out there. She's still preaching war. She's still yeah. talking about Putin's the devil. That one, she's going to, she's going to be fucking ant food soon enough. Yeah, let's hope so. I'd like to see her die of some horrible death. Some I want to see her live a long, long life like Diane Feinstein. I, I think the world got cheated because she didn't get to lay in her bed, shitting her fucking pants as an invalid, completely aware of what was going on around her for another 20 years. That's, that's how all of them need to go down. They don't fear death. They only fear losing power, influence, and they don't even care about money. They just use the dollar figure. It's a scorekeeping mechanism. So we want those fuckers to live as long as humanly possible with the best fucking medical care that the greatest minds of science can come up with to sustain their life in fucking custody while they're shitting their fucking bed and looking back on their life so that the moment they fucking die, we will feel at least we had some degree of justice if they seek forgiveness moments before their heart stops beating because that's out of our control. But how long we let these fuckers live and what we do to them while they're on the earth, that is within our control. So I, I wish all of them a really long life. I'm so, still rooting to see Klaus Schwab being infected with some type of radioisotope, uh, courtesy of uh, Vladimir Putin, who who brought that possibility up uh, a week oh, yeah. ago. Yeah. I would I would love to. I in fact I would give I would give I would fly over to Russia and give Putin a medal for that. I'd give him a coin. That's what I would give him as a coin. I'd, I'd fly over for that. And, and Troop, don't hold back, man. Tell us exactly what you think, because uh, I, I think everybody wants to know exactly what you think. Yeah, well, so, again, uh, you know, it's all about stay out of the conflict space, right? And all of us on the phone right now, Colonel Conrad, Colonel Murray, myself, we all took an oath to the Constitution. And the way that the oath is structured is we support the commander-in-chief, which that's debatable because I don't believe that the current fucker is our commander-in-chief. But we still took an oath to the Constitution. And one of the responsibilities that we have as patriots is to assure the continuity of government and to assure the fidelity of our governing ranks. That means that we can't, don't go taking out fucking politicians, but after those sons of bitches are no longer elected, they are entitled to the same protections and respect and courtesies as any other citizen on the street. And I don't know if you've looked at Chicago and Philadelphia and LA lately, but those are the, those are the same protections that they'll be afforded when they leave government service, the same ones that we're living in now. But I just I want to. There's a lot of emotion, and there's there's a lot of vitriol, and there's a lot of angst. And remember, it's leftists that assassinate people, not patriots. Even though these fuckers deserve it, the only way that they deserve it is through the judicial system. So we've got a lot of work to do, and we have a lot of praying to do. But we have to stay focused on on our function as patriots and our function as American citizens to assure that we're modeling the behaviors that our 
four fathers, our founding fathers, wanted us to uphold in order to assure the continuity of the republic. That's why there's no short circuits in the Constitution. That's why there's no short circuits in law. You turn into a vigilante force, you lose your country. It happens every single time. Now, that being said, I'm with, I'm with Steve. If I see blue helmet fuckers show up in my neighborhood, it's going to be a very expensive deployment for them because I'm not going to fucking tolerate it. At that point, weapons free because that's not part of our government. That is, that is an intruding force. Just like any other country where they invasion recruiting. yeah let's call so. it what it is and that's and by the way well said well packaged very nicely done yeah you you could be in the uh 06 rank i'm telling you very that erudite would, that's oh, the word we're looking for erudite great word for that <laughs> but but i i do have to say uh it's it's that gray area i get to in my mind where you hear the phrase all enemies foreign and domestic oh yeah because every time. it it is there's going to be some hard decisions to be made, and unfortunately, uh, given the fact that that the judicial system has proven itself to be exceptionally vulnerable to both payoff and intimidation, uh, relying on due process, uh, well, may frankly be unreliable. I think it certainly is at this point. Otherwise, we would have had an overthrow in the last election. Yeah, but I'm with you. If I see blue helmets, it's a, it's a very very simple prospect. Attack! Was that my outside voice? That was my outside voice, wasn't it? Shooter ready. Send it. Yeah, full send. Walk and load, bitches. Okay. Uh, a lot of comments. Yeah, I got uh, Lee Merritt's site. You're right. Is a doctor. Thanks on that, uh, Colonel Conrad Troop. Comments were spot on as usual. Appreciate it, gentlemen. Uh, we'll do this again. I'm going to be doing this again on Wednesday. Hopefully the world won't end before then. And uh, we'll see. But uh, I appreciate everybody showing up tonight. It's always, I, I love the comments. I, I love the dialogue in the live chat. You can find us on Telegram. Troop's got a channel on Telegram. Uh, I've got a channel on Telegram. I'm on Gab. I'm on Getter. I'm on True Social under the same name. You can find me on all three of those platforms. Feel free to reach out and, and talk to me. I've talked to a bunch of, of folks on uh, on Gab and Getter. Feel free to send questions into uh, Telegram, into the channel. The admins will get it to us, and Colonel Conrad's in my admin channel. So you always have a direct line to all three of us. If, if you hear us say anything tonight, expand your sphere of influence. Expand your line of sight. This will get to the community level. Look at what's going on in Israel. It's at the community level. Be ready, be prepared, and don't be afraid. We're on the higher moral ground. Don't forget that. God bless everyone. I appreciate everybody showing up. Gentlemen, thanks. Troop, thanks again for jumping on next week. I'm just going to add you. and Call it good. Thanks, Steve. God bless everyone. Have a good night. Good night.